Thank you, brother. Thank you again for leading us into the presence of God this morning uh, through praise and worship. Those songs are so powerful, man. The Lord just truly blessed my heart today um, during our worship service. And the reason those songs are so powerful, that second song uh, this morning just really touched my heart. But the reason that's so powerful is because it comes straight from the Word of God. Really what you're doing there, you're just singing Scripture. In Numbers chapter number 6 and verse number 22, the Lord speaks something to Moses. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron. Now Aaron was the high priest. He was the high priest at that time for the nation of Israel. So he was actually the go-between between between, uh, the people and God. And so, and Aaron said unto him, unto his son, saying, On this wise you shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee. And be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. And then he says, and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel. And I will bless them. Now why is this such a blessing? Because that's what the Lord calls it. He says, you bless the children with this. Aaron, you tell my children um, this blessing that I'm about to give you. Well, it's a blessing to us because of God's ability to perform it. He's able to be gracious to us. Can you say amen? He's able to make his face shine upon us, to look to us and to look to our need and to see us who we are and where we are and what we're going through and and, and love us like a heavenly father can love us. And so I'm so thankful this morning for the truth of the word of God uh, and for singing his truth. What a blessing that truly was. Take your Bibles today and turn with me over to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and I want to read to you one verse. We're really going to focus on that today. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and look at verse number 7. This morning, I want to give you three keys to confidence. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you believe it, say amen. Let's pray again together. Father, we do love you. Again, we thank you and praise you. For who you are, thank you, Lord, for your blessing that you are able to perform, your blessing that you are able to accomplish in the lives of your people. Lord, I'm thankful for your presence and power that's already been made real in this service, and we're asking you now that you would speak your word to us. Lord, these people need not hear what I have to say. They need to hear the truth of your word spoken in your power. Holy Spirit, move me out of the way, I pray, and use me today for your honor and your glory. Fill me up and pour me out in the lives of these people, and for these things, we're going to praise you for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray and for your sake, amen. How many of you would agree with me this morning that fear is a problem? Fear actually can be fatal in a lot of ways. Not only physically, it certainly can be physically, but also spiritually. Fear can kill your witness. Fear can kill, will kill your ministry if you allow it to. And evidently, here in 2 Timothy chapter number 1, we see that Timothy must have had a problem with fear, like all of us sometimes have a problem with fear. And Paul tells Timothy three things that he wanted him to know that we also need to know if we're going to have confidence in facing the fears we have and serving the Lord the way he wants and desires us to, and, and deserves to be served. So, first of all, I want to say something to you, though, before we go any further. How do you know not all fear is bad? I mean, some fear is actually good. As a matter of fact, 
Fear is needful, and God has given us that for protection. I mean, fear is what causes you to stop before crossing a busy street and look in both ways. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That helps protect you. Fear is what causes you to go around and make sure your doors are locked at night before you and your family lay down in the bed and go to sleep because we don't want anything bad to happen to our loved ones. That's not a bad fear. That's a good fear. That's a healthy fear. There's some other healthy fears that are outlined for us straight from the Word of God. Matthew chapter number 10, brothers, if you will please, put for me verse number 28. Matthew 10 Verse number 28, Jesus says something here that's very powerful that all of us need to take note of. He says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I had a lady ask me one time. She said, Pastor, do you believe in a literal hell? Absolutely, I believe in a literal hell. Let me tell you why I believe in a literal hell. Because Jesus believed in a literal hell. Jesus preached a whole lot about a literal hell. Matter of fact, he said more about hell than he even said about heaven. Jesus was continually warning people of the danger of hell. If you don't believe me, go look in Luke 16 in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Jesus said hell was a place where the flame is never quenched. Where uh, Listen, the rich man was there continually, everlasting in, in, in torment. And so you need to know hell is a real, literal place. Jesus actually said that hell is the place where the flame is never quenched and the worm dies not. It's a place of continual death, even though you still exist. It's a, it's a place of torment. And so if there's one thing we need to be afraid of, we need to be afraid of hell. As a matter of fact, if you're here this morning and you've not yet trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, I'm going to be honest. You ought to be scared to death. Let me tell you why I say that. You are one heartbeat away from eternity. If that heart stops, start, stops beating on the next time it's supposed to, then you will meet eternity without Jesus. See, the Bible says it's our sin that separates us from God. And the only way we can be made right with God, we can be reconciled back to God, we can have relationship with God, is if our sin is forgiven. And the good news is, Jesus has come to die for your sin and to die for my sin. And my Bible says that if I place my faith in His finished work, who He is, what He's done for me, if I'll do that and I'll trust in Him, my sin can be forgiven and I can be made right with God. You can too. But now if you haven't done that, I would be absolutely terrified because hell is a real place. The fear of hell is a healthy fear. Don't ignore it. Don't look past it. Don't let it slip away the importance of you knowing Jesus, missing hell, and gaining heaven. We need to understand that. That's a healthy fear. Let me give you another healthy fear. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 7. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
How many of you know it's a good thing to fear God? Now listen to me, folks. I know God is my heavenly Father. I know that He is my Daddy God. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans 8.15. The Bible says He's not given us the, 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 the spirit of fear again to, again to bondage, but He has given us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba Father. Abba Father means Daddy God. It means that now, as a child of God, I have a right relationship with God the Father. Yes, He is Creator. Yes, He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. Yes, the heavens are His throne and the earth is His footstool. But He's also my Daddy. Amen? And so what does it mean then if the Bible says we need to fear him? Well, I love how Dr. Adrian Rogers puts this. He said a, the right fear of God is love on its knees. I love that. We love God so much we don't want to in any way embarrass him. We love God so much we don't want to in any way as his children offend him. We love God so much Listen, we want to reverence Him in every part of our lives. Can you say amen to that? That's what it means to truly fear God. You let me tell you why I want to come and preach this morning to the best of my ability? Yeah, because I want you to know the truth. But more important than that, because I love the Lord. I fear Him. I want to be obedient to Him. I don't want to offend Him in what I say and what I do. You may tell you why I want to be the best father I can be. Yeah, because I love my kids, but also because I love the Lord. And he's told me that I'm to raise my children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You may tell you why I want to be a good a husband to my wife. Yeah, because I love my wife with everything in me. That's true. But more important than that, God has told me to love my wife as Christ loves the church. And I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to offend him. And listen to me, folks. If you will love God with all your heart, you will won't have a problem loving others. You won't. Because it starts with your love for Him, your fear for Him, love on its knees. You need to understand this morning, it's a healthy thing for us to have a reverent fear of God. Amen? I want to make sure I'm doing what He wants. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. So those are all healthy fears. And, and it's good to have that type of fear. And that's not at all what Paul is preaching against here in Proverbs, or excuse me, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7. He says, Timothy, he tells him here in this verse, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. How many of you know the spirit of fear is an unhealthy fear? Amen? And people have them all over the place. No, no doubt about it. As a matter of fact, fear absolutely controls most people's lives. There's all kinds of different fears. Let me give you just a few. How many of you know what claustrophobia is? Claustrophobia is the fear of being in tight spaces. I've actually known of people who cannot ride on an airplane because they have claustrophobia. They, they can't sit there for that long. That type of fear will control you. That type of fear will hinder you. No doubt about it. How many of you ever heard of acrophobia? Acrophobia is the fear of heights. 
Yeah, I know a lot of people who have a, a, a deep fear of heights, no doubt about it. How many of you ever heard of one called neophobia? Most Baptists have this. It's the fear, fear of new things. You've never been a Baptist pastor if you've never heard the phrase, we've never done it like that before. It's amazing. People get a lot of times set in their ways and their favorite hymn song is I shall not be moved. I mean, they ain't gonna, they ain't gonna move on nothing. I had a lady one time who was very concerned about the new worship songs we were singing. Now let me say something to you folks. How many of you know there was a time when Amazing Grace was a new song? There was a time when Victory in Jesus was a new song. Do you know the Bible says that we are to sing a new song unto the Lord? Just because it's a new song don't make it bad. Just because we do things a little different than, how, than what we've always done, that doesn't make it bad. Many times it can make it better. Amen. So, so don't get caught up in the fear of doing and trying new things. As long as the new things that we do finds its foundation in the Word of God. You know why I'm good with the new song we sang this morning? I'll tell you why. It comes straight from number 6, 24 through 26. It finds its foundation in the truth. Can you say amen? So I'm just saying, don't be afraid of trying new things. But some people have that fear. Let me give you another one. This one, this one runs rapid in, in, in today's culture, really for the last two or three years. It's called pathophobia. Do you know what that is? Fear of pathogens. Or fear of disease. I was riding down the road the other day. Now, please don't misunderstand me. If you want to wear a mask, wear it. All right? Wear four of them. I, look, I'm not mad at it. Wear all the masks you want to wear. That's okay. I'm not saying that. If you feel the need to do that, by all means, do it. Matter of fact, in this country, I believe we still have personal, listen to me, personal liberty and personal responsibility. I'm responsible for me. And I ought to be free to make my own decisions and choices. Can you say amen? And you can too. So if you want to wear one, wear one. But after all the new data that's come out that's pretty much said, the mask didn't help a whole lot, if any. I mean, if you look at the numbers. The CDC has actually came back and said the mask really didn't help a whole lot. Matter of fact, it kind of hurt things in many cases. I'm just telling you. I was riding down the road the other day, stopped at a red light, looked over beside me, and there's a man in the car by himself with a mask on. And I started thinking, I bet he takes a shower with that mask. This brother is so scared of catching a disease that he is riding down the road in his car by himself with a mask on. Fear will control you. 
Fear, if you allow it to, will ruin you. Now let me say something to you. You do not have to be a weak person to have fear. We all got fear. All of us do. Please don't misunderstand me. As a matter of fact, some of the um, most respected, recognized, and strong people that's ever lived, some very strong leaders had deep fears. I was reading something just this past week about Julius Caesar. You remember Julius Caesar, the great emperor of Rome? Do you know that he could lead legions of men and, and listen, go and destroy other armies with, by commanding his own army? And he did all of that and did uh, all the great things that he did there in Rome and building the, uh, most of the city. But you know Julius Caesar was so afraid of thunder that any time it thundered he wanted to go underground? Scared to death of it. Fear is a real thing. And you don't have to be a weak person to be afraid. All of us get afraid from time to time. Matter of fact, I was in the doctor's office a few months ago getting some blood work done. And they were, they were taking the uh, vial of blood from my arm. And I heard somebody come in and sit down behind me. And, and I didn't know who it was, but they were doing the same thing with him that they were doing with me. And I heard the nurse say, I'll get you fixed right up and you'll be out of here before you know it. And she said, sir, 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 are you okay? And I turned around and looked, and this big old burly guy, I mean big, big dude, was laying out on the floor because the moment she stuck him with that needle, he went out like a light. I mean, he was scared of it. And, and so, uh, listen, that guy could probably have crushed me and, and pretty much everybody in that office if he had wanted to. He was a strong dude, but he was afraid of needles. I mean, you don't have to be a weak person to be afraid. But as a child of God, the Apostle Paul is saying, you never should allow your fear to control you. Here in this scripture, we see things that fear does. All right? First of all, fear will cause you to forget. Look back. In First Timothy, or excuse me, Second Timothy, chapter one, down to verse number six. Listen, what Paul first of all says to Timothy here in the sixth verse. He says, "Wherefore I put thee in remembrance." Everybody say remembrance. Now, why is Paul trying to get Timothy to remember something? Well, the only reason you try to get somebody to remember something is if they've forgotten it, right? Now, what has he forgot? He says, "I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God." which was in thee by the putting on of my hand. You see, it was the Apostle Paul who was in the ordination council of Timothy when Timothy became a pastor, became a preacher. And it was Paul who laid his hands on him and prayed for him at the time when he was ordained to go forth and preach the gospel. And Paul says, look, you need to remember the gift that God has given you by the power of his spirit. Now let me tell you what fear will do. Fear will cause you to forget the blessing that God has already given you in your life. Amen? Timothy had completely forgotten about God, all that God had done in the past. And, and the fear was blinding him to what God was doing in the present. And the, fear, and the fear, as he focused on it, kept him from focusing on what God was going to do in, in the future. He, 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 he needed to be put in remembrance. He had forgotten these things. Fear calls us to forget 
the gift of God that comes by the power of God. Let me tell you what else fear causes us to forget. Fear causes us to forget the promises of God. Now, how many of you believe the word of God this morning? The Bible is the word of God, first and foremost. How many of y'all believe that? How many of you believe the Bible is the absolute truth of what God is saying to you? How many of you believe that the Bible tells us who God is, tells us who we are, and tells us what he's done for us in the person of his son? How many of you believe, listen to me now, the Bible tells you who you are, but the Bible also tells you who you can be by the power of the Holy Spirit? All of this is true about the Bible. And what is packed inside the Bible, it's packed full of promises to the people of faith. But when we only focus on fear, we forget about the promise. Let me give you just a few promises straight from the Word of God. Hebrews 13.5 says, listen to me now, that the Lord will never leave nor forsake you as a child of God. If you believe it, say amen today. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what's happening in your life. What, listen to me now. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. I'm talking about things you perceive to be good things. God's there with you and working in that situation. I'm talking about things that you perceive to be bad things. God's there with you working in that situation. And God can cause all of those things by His sovereign will to work together for your good and His glory. These are promises that come straight from the Word of God. And we've got to claim these. But when we focus on fear, we forget the promise. Amen? How do you know Philippians 4.19 says that my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory? How many of you know, y'all know Philippians 1.6 says that he which hath begun the good work will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that Jesus is the author but he's also the finisher of your faith? How many of you know that he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother? How many of you know he is our ever-present help in a time of need? How many of you know that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals? How many of you know he is Jehovah Sidkenu, the, the Lord our righteousness? How many of you know that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides? All of these precious promises and truths we find on the pages of Scripture, but when you focus on your fear, you forget the promise. And when you forget the promise, fear begins to control you. Amen? But not only does fear cause forgetfulness, Fear also causes failure. Look with me right here at verse number 8. These two verses before and after verse 7 gives us some insight of where Timothy was, what he was feeling, what was going on. Look what it says there in the 8th verse. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to... The power of God. Wow. Evidently, Timothy was now afraid to preach Jesus because he knew Paul was preaching Jesus. And as Paul was preaching Jesus, he's now writing to Timothy from a prison cell. 
And so what I think Paul is saying is, Timothy, don't be afraid of preaching Jesus. You keep doing what God has called you to do by the power of God. You keep doing it by His power for His purpose. You keep on keeping on, Timothy, and don't worry about what any man can do to you. Evidently, fear was causing Timothy to fail in the work of the ministry. And let me tell you something. We can talk about Timothy, but does fear not do the same thing for us? You know, you know what I bet? I bet there are people sitting in this sanctuary this morning who would be fantastic soul winners for the Lord Jesus. I don't just think that's possible. I know that's possible. Let me tell you how I know that. Because listen to me, the same Holy Spirit that dwells in me dwells in you. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that he enables us to go out and share our faith. Amen? It's only by his power we can be effective. And if that power dwells in me and that power dwells in you, then you and me can be effective witnesses for him. But we don't witness, let me tell you why, because of fear. We're fear, fearful that we're going to mess up. We're fearful we're going to be made a fool of. We're fearful in some way that people might laugh at us, ridicule us, or talk about us. We're fearful if we make a stand for Jesus at our workplace, we won't get invited to the company cookout. We're, we're fearful that we might not get the next promotion if we don't go along with the crowd. And we're fearful many times to make a stand and we fail in our ministry and being the witness God wants us to be. Some of you right here this morning would be fantastic Sunday school teachers but you're not doing it and won't do it because you're fearful. Some of you sitting in this sanctuary, maybe God has called you to preach and you'd be a fantastic preacher, but you know what? You won't do it because you're afraid. Listen to me. God is able to do for you what needs doing. If he calls you to the work, he will enable you to do the work. God doesn't call the able. He enables the called. Are you hearing me? Don't allow, allow fear to cause failure in your ministry. That's what was happening with Timothy. But you know what else fear will do? Fear will cause forgetfulness of the promises of God and the gift of God, the blessings of God that he's already given you. And fear will also cause failure in your ministry, in your witness. But let me tell you this. Fear will also cause frailty. You know what I mean by this? Go back with me to the book of 1 Timothy. Just one book back. Chapter number 5. And look down at verse number 13. That's the wrong verse. I wrote down the wrong one. I apologize. Let me, the one I was going to give you, and I'll find it later for you. 
But what had happened, Timothy was having some stomach trouble. And, and if any of you can look that up for me right quick, look it up and let me know. But Timothy had had some stomach trouble. And you know what Paul told him? He said, Timothy, don't, don't drink as much water for your stomach. Drink a little wine because the medicinal purposes of the wine would help his stomach. Now, why was Tim Timothy having some stomach trouble? I'll tell you why. Because he was so fearful and worried about what was going on. Here it is right there. 1 Timothy 5, 5.23 instead of 5.13. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Why was he having these infirmities? Why was he having this stomach trouble? Because of fear. It was causing him to become frail. And I want to tell you something. Fear and worry will cause you many different health problems. Not just emotional problems. Not just spiritual problems. But a lot of health problems. And that's what was happening with Timothy. And it can happen with us. So there's three things that Paul says very quickly. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse number 7. Three keys to confidence that he gives. Look what he says. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power. Everybody say power. How do you understand this morning that it is the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us? And it dwells in us because the person of the Holy Spirit dwells in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that we are now the temple of God and it's the temple where God dwells. God dwells in you. And because God dwells in you, His power is within you. And listen to me now, it's through his power he can cause you to be more than a conqueror over whatever you might fear. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. God has given us the power to overcome. God has given us the power to be what he's called us to be in spite of those that might come against us. God has given us the power to accomplish his purpose for his honor and his glory. If you believe it, say amen. The first key to conference is the power of God. Listen, it's God that works in us and through us to accomplish His good will and purpose. We don't have to be fearful. God's got this. You know what I've come to find out, man? When things get too big for me to handle as a pastor, I just say, Lord, you've got to fix it. One thing that the Lord has shown me and has been such a relief for me is this is not my church. Can you say amen? This ain't my church. This is his church. And if it's his church, he can do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And I'm trusting him to do just that. And when I relinquish, listen, my will to his will, and when I remember it's by his power anything effective is going to be done, then it releases a whole lot of anxiety in my life, a whole lot of worry and a whole lot of fear. He said, Timothy, God ain't given you the spirit of fear but of power. Then he says... Of love. The, the Bible says in Romans chapter number 5 that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Can you say amen? Whew. I love that verse. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart as a believer and in your heart as a believer. And the Bible says in 1 John, perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Yes. Cast out fear. Let me see if I can illustrate that for you. My wife weighs 135 pounds soaking wet. She has three children that she loves more than anything. I'm telling you. She'd do anything for them kids. My wife at 135 pounds, if there was a grizzly bear attacking them babies, 
she'd jump on that grizzly bear. She would. Ain't no doubt about it. You may tell you why. Because of the love she has for them youngins. Listen to me. When you have the love of God and you have love for God, it casts out the fear. Listen to me now. That will control and ruin your life. He says, we, he, God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And what else did he say? Of a sound mind. What's it mean to have a sound mind? Well, the best definition of fear that I've ever heard comes from Zig Ziglar. Anybody ever heard of Zig Ziglar? Great motivational speaker. He says that fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. And many times, most of the time, that's what fear is. At least the phobic type of fear that Paul is talking about with Timothy. Now, what does it mean that God gives us a sound mind? Well, it, it simply means that God gives us the ability to see things as they really are. Amen? To see things as they really are. I heard a story one time about a little boy who was scared of the dark. And he lived in an upstairs bedroom. And every night when it got time to go to bed, he would always get fearful and, and worried and afraid because when everybody turned the lights on, things began to look different in the room. Now, y'all know what I'm talking about on this. I remember when I was a little boy and they turned the lights off. It seemed like I could make anything in the room look like the figure of a man standing there if I stared at it long enough. And the little boy would get so afraid, he'd call out to his mama and he'd say, Mama, I need a drink of water. And the mama would say, All right, get you a drink of water. Ten minutes later, he asked what he'd say. Mama, I need a drink of water. We'll get you another drink of water. Mama, I need a drink of water. Shut up and go to bed. <laughs> Y'all been there? <laughs> Mama, I'm scared up here. It's good godly parents. Love Jesus. Brought their children up in the nursery and I finished the Lord. And she yelled back and she said, Hey, listen, son. No need to be afraid up there. Jesus is always with you. Complete silence. The little boy yelled back. Mama! She said, Yeah, son. He said, You come up here and sleep with Jesus. I want to sleep with Daddy. tell you what, let me tell you what having a sound mind does. When God gives you the ability to see things as they actually are, things that seem so fearful aren't anymore. And that's what God does for us. Can you say amen? I know when you flip that light on, man, all those things that you were making out in the dark to be something that could hurt you and harm you, well, it was just a coat rack standing in the corner. Fear 
will control you, but it don't need to. Three keys to confidence. God's given you power by the person of the Holy Spirit. God shed forth his love into your hearts. And God's given you a sound mind, the ability to see things as they actually are. Don't be fearful. Trust in the Lord. Amen? Everybody stand together this morning. If you're here today and you do have a healthy fear of hell, realizing you've never had your sin forgiven, then today is the day of salvation. If you're here this morning and you've prayed about it and decided this is where God wants you to serve here at Mount Zion, you're ready to join this church, we can do that during this time of invitation. If you're here this morning and you've been saved but you've never been baptized, well, we'd love to baptize you. It's always a joy to baptize believers. Whatever you need in this time of invitation, I'm going to ask you to come. Don't wait. Just be submissive to God the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit today. Maybe you're here and you say, Lord, you know, maybe you just need to come and say, Lord, I'm, I've been fearful about a lot of things, about my witness, about actually doing what you've called me to do. Help me with that. Listen, this altar is a great place to get along with him. And just pour your heart out to him. Tell him what you need. Tell him what you're going through. One thing that I always love about reading the writings of King David, the Bible says he's the man after God's own heart. You go back and read what he wrote. Man, if he was happy and joyful, he told the Lord about that. And he praised God for all the good things God had done in his life. But there's also times when David was mad. Sometimes he is sad. Sometimes he's downright depressed. And you know what he did? He just poured his heart out to the Lord. And he said, Lord, <laughs> this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. I need your help. And God helped him. And if he can help him, well, he can help me too. He can help you too. When David was fearful, he told the Lord about it. And he helped him. This morning, you do what God wants you to do. Be submissive to what God wants today. Brother, play for us.